How many hours and years of our lives do we spend on work? For nearly all of us, we spend 30 plus years and one third of our days in our vocation. More time, perhaps, than we spend at rest or at play. But this isn't a problem. Why? Because work is good. Work needs to be integrated deeply into our lives and must be in line with our most important goals and values. And if it is, we have a far more complete and fulfilling life experience. Welcome to the How People Work podcast, where we explore the intersection of how humans think and act and how they apply themselves to their work. When you understand both of these things, you'll be equipped to be insightful, compassionate, and compelling leaders. Welcome back to How People Work. This is co-host Jordan P. sitting here with co-host Jason Murray. Hello. Hello, hello. I almost said good morning. Good morning. It's it's late it's in the evening, good actually. Good morning. It's about, just so you guys know, it's about 10 p.m. I think we've said this on, on a previous episode at some point, but you and I, we work a full day. We go home. We have dinner with our have families. Dinner. We get the kids to bed. We come back. Actually, today we came back a little early. Yeah. But typically, we get started around 8.30 at night. Um, and so it is very much the evening when we're recording this. Uh, we're digging back into um, some of the survey data that uh, Jason and his team has aggregated. And we're going to talk about data today, um, using data to to really kind of um, crystallize for executives the need to prioritize people and why that's important and some of those things. Because as we look at our survey and we see some of these responses and struggles for HR people, a lot of them come back to the same themes. Create a, I'm, having, I'm having trouble creating a positive and satisfying employee experience. I'm having trouble communicating the value of people programs. I'm having trouble getting the tools and budget that I need to support employee well-being. I'm having trouble aligning people programs with business objectives. All of that comes down to kind of a lack of selling, a lack of selling well, and that's the job of... A lot of people that work kind of directly beneath the C-suite is you got to go sell the C-suite. Here's what I need. Here's why I need it. And here's why this is going to get us to the goals that you have set Mm -hmm. for us. Um, So Jason, talk to us about data and what you learned through your surveying that, you know, is a struggle for HR folks when it comes to working with that data. Sorry, I was, I was like, almost giggling while you were because t- why are you giggling you said like what i say the data our survey data about data i said data a lot well it was just like an inception moment i was like whoa the like data from the survey revealed stuff about data and it just good like kind of tripped me up for a second i saw there. that i saw yeah. it in your face i was like whoa uh, you know, I completely forgot what the word of the day is. You should remind me before we jump in. Ooh, yes. Uh, the word of the day is assuage. Assuage. Yeah, I would have just completely, yeah. completely blanked on that. Yeah. All right. So data. Data. Yes. yes. Uh, well, yeah, I think I think what you said is on point, right? The, there's this gap that exists where it's obvious from conversations that we've had with many, many, many HR professionals over the years, so not just in the context of this survey and the interviews that we did, um, but also just, you know, conversations over the years with advisors and many other people mm. where it's it's apparent that there's a gap between right. people who, let's say, represent 
human needs in the organization right. and executives are having to make business decisions. All of whom say they want to make data-driven decisions. Like that is the right. biggest buzzword of the past like yeah. five, 10 years is we are a data-driven organization, yeah. right? But like, does that really just translate to we capture a bunch of data? You know? uh, I, th I, think it, I think it's true. I think yeah. executives do in fact desire to and often make their decisions based yeah. on data. Okay. Um, but the problem that I think many HR teams face is, do they actually have the necessary data? Right. Can they surface the insights needed right. that are compelling yeah. from that data? And then can they communicate that in a way to executive teams where that insight is tied to the business needs mm -hmm. of the organization? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where mm -hmm. there becomes a disconnect is, right. you know, uh, and, and we got to think about this in terms of like the size of the organizations right. that HR people are working in. And so uh, it's actually, it actually really interesting because um, typically what you find is at many smaller companies, let's say companies under 250 employees, a lot of times the first HR professionals aren't HR trained, meaning that they were often in administrative function right. previously and they get moved into an HR profession, right. uh, an HR specific type role right. um, at that juncture. So uh, I was actually talking with uh, a potential partner that we're having conversations with right now and they're literally about 300 employees and we were talking about this very thing and I was describing mm. to them like, hey, here's how HR people, like this, here's how this tends to operate in their world right? Um, because they sell a product that's direct to consumer. They're starting to explore B2B, selling into HR and businesses. And so I kind of brought up this example and the CEO that we were speaking with of this 300 employee company was like, oh gosh, it's literally what we just did. Hmm. We just took somebody who is like, you know, basically an executive assistant right. and put her into right. an HR role. Because we figure she can handle details right. and she won't let balls fall through the cracks and all that kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. And yeah. so there's nothing wrong with that inherently, right. but what it means is what does that person probably not have experience with? Well, they yeah. may not have experience with, you know, really strategic operational business needs of the organization right. and fam familiarity with those kinds right. of things. And pairing people objectives with those Right, and they likely and don't have a ton of experience with just working with data. Yeah, right. Period. Right. Um, yeah, you always hear from HR people that like, hey, when we sit around the table and I'm talking to the C-suite, the, the sales leader always wins. The right. sales leader is like, right. hey, I need budget, and here's why. And they have this great argument yeah. and presentation that's data-driven, but also anecdotal and well-conceived right. and communicated. And the HR person is like, crap you know? yeah <laughs> like i can't compete with their pitch yeah and yeah. so i mean i mean there's there's some stuff like that that i think is true about it it's like yeah. you know how like compelling of a story can you formulate to like you know make an argument and so forth and there's like really practical things like yeah. how comfortable am i working with numbers in a spreadsheet and yeah. i think that's yeah. true. like there's, there's just a lot it's of a very people basic way to put it but yeah that's companies true. Yeah. that aren't comfortable with that but how are you going to work with employee or people data right. if you're not comfortable working with spreadsheets, right? It's a, like, there's just kind of an inherent problem there. Right. Um, actually a really good example, I've uh, been talking to my brother recently who happens to work in HR yeah. at a company that's about 500 employees. Yeah. And I was just kind of mentioning some of this stuff that like I've been thinking about, you know, from the survey with like people, data analytics, yeah. that kind of stuff. And he's like, 
yeah, it's really crazy because you know his company, 500 employees, yeah. one, they don't have anybody who's in charge of any analytics. Okay. They do have an HRIS system, so yeah. they do have data that's there. Right. But how it works is he's become the de facto analytics person. Oh wow. At their organization, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, I don't know anything. Tell us how we're doing." Yeah. Yeah. He's like, "I'm self-taught." Like he's just the most comfortable mm. person pulling a CSV file out of their HRIS system. This is why I was questioning this whole data-driven thing because I'm like, okay, are you like? how many organizations are actually data-driven or how many say we want to make data-driven decisions, but they don't actually invest in the people to analyze the data in order to have the intelligence, the business intelligence to make data-driven decisions. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think that's spot on. Yeah, I just like calling people out, you know. Yeah, well, and I think we mentioned in previous episodes that the people that I think have been most successful Yeah in their organizations are people that came from the operational side of the business first. Mm -hmm. So like some of the CPOs that I've talked to. You mean the people people, like the HR people yeah. that have been so, successful, um, yeah. There were two chief people yeah. officers that I spoke with um, in the course of doing some of these interviews yeah. um, that previously had been either COO okay. or high level executive in like literally the operation side of the okay. business. Okay, wow, okay. And so yeah. they had a very, very intimate understanding yep. of how does the business work? What are the core metrics of the mm -hmm. business? Mm -hmm. What makes us successful? Yeah. How do we make money? Right. What makes right. the machine actually run? Right. And yeah. and and I think what's helpful is they understand that like a business has to make money yep. to be sustainable. Yep. And that the business also needs people yeah. to operate and be sustainable. Yeah. And so those people that start on the operational side that have that really intimate knowledge of how the business operates, what it needs, the core metrics, mm. how it makes money, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then they move over to the people side. They're more adept at communicating to sure. the executives. They speak the language. Who are primarily over on the operational side yeah. of the business, why it matters that these investments in people things mm. actually are made. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. So, but to your point earlier, a lot of HR folks are kind of put in that position from a purely administrative position, like an EA, for example, where it's just like, hey, you're detail oriented. You could probably handle this. So, like, was that a theme of the survey for you? Were you seeing this sort of, you know, people that can really handle stuff, they can get a lot done, they're detail oriented. Right, they 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 got a high capacity for work, but they're really just struggling when it comes to. I don't really know how the bread gets made. I'm not really sure how to speak the operational language. I don't know how to like yeah, or pitch they, this thing. Um, yeah, it's it's multifaceted. I yeah. think some of them some of them maybe don't care to know. So like some yeah. HR people get into that work because they care about people. Yeah. And so they have uh, perhaps more empathetic personality. Right, which is good. But it is good. you really can't get things across the finish line right. unless you kind of level yourself up, so to speak, to speak the language yeah. and to convince those that control the budget to allow you to do right. the things to aid the people that you care about. Yeah, right. well, and I think sometimes that empathetic mindset lends you to be uh, less calculating yeah. Right. You're you're perhaps less likely to 
you know, try and quantify mm-hmm. value yeah. around a human being in the Ironically, same kind of way. Ironically, HR people treat humans less like resources than non-HR people. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> and and rightly so, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they, I mean, they are those advocates for culture and for the people and so forth. And yeah. so um, I think really you know, we kind of described this in our research as a competence gap. And, and I hesitate in some ways to say it in that way because it makes it sound like it's an inadequacy. But I think it really is just a, it's a skills gap for a lot yeah. of HR professionals where sure. they simply don't have the experience. Like, we all have skills hey, gaps. Hey, how, how do I take this Excel file and, you know, build a story from right. it? Right, right. Yeah. Like that just yeah. takes some experience. Well, and as a result, that's become, you, you know, that was your job for a while at right. Fringe, right? I mean, you, you really wrote the book internally on how to cons- consultatively sell, right? Meaning, how do we come alongside HR people, not sell them, but actually come alongside them, understand their needs and help them sell the powers that be to get the budget necessary to do the thing that this HR person already knows is intrinsically the right thing yeah. to do, right? They, their, their gut already tells them this is this is the right thing. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's a dynamic that came out of this that was, you know, uh, around those skill gaps. Like, how do you bridge that? What are some of the needs for the profession on the whole? And so I think, you know, kind of going back to something we said in the last episode was. Uh, a lot of the people that we spend time around in the community that we kind of operate in primarily um, tend to be fairly proficient mm. in these areas. Yeah. Where when you look at kind of the average company, that's probably less true. Um, but I think you also have this uh, issue at hand, even with big companies, of what do we do with the data that we have? Like, how do we even surface the right insight out of yeah. it to drive some kind of action yeah. that's meaningful for the business? So right. um, I don't know. I'm curious, actually, if you remember this. So this was like very early on uh, in Fringe, like maybe within the first like six months of Fringe. Probably not going to remember. We had an advisor. I think you might, though. Um, we had an advisor who was the head of total rewards at a large Fortune 100 yeah, company. Okay. Yep. And she had invited us to come in and talk with some people from her team yep. who helped run people analytics. And I remember sitting in this room with some HR business partners and some people that were head of you know, people analytics at yeah. this huge organization. Yeah. I mean, they had like teams upon teams upon teams. Yeah, we were in over our heads to say the least. Yeah, well, yeah. I, and this was at a point in time where we like barely knew anything about <laughs> HR. And I remember though, uh, being very surprised because they came in and kind of proudly described to us this predictive model oh, yeah. that yeah. they had created. Sure. yeah. And it they was were like, very proud of that. Yeah, they're right. like, I, oh, I, yeah, I do we, actually remember. You. We have this like predictive model, yeah. and like we can identify like you know, employees in different teams, yeah. and like when we think they might be leaving, and all this kind of right, stuff. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's super cool. Like, what are you doing about it? Yeah, what are you doing with that model? And it was just like crickets. Like they had no idea, and it was like, oh my gosh, like what? What is the point? What's the point? What's the point of having yeah. this data? Yeah. That. Well, you know, I think I think you're onto something. I think no, I'm all about gathering the data, all about analyzing the data, all about making decisions from the data. I think that's a fantastic thing. But I think I think if we're honest, 
a lot of people are gathering data not because they're trying to help the organization, but because they're trying to see YA. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to well, make decisions yeah. that are backed by something or they're going to make a decision, they're going to have data in place. And if somebody questions their decision later, they have something to point at. And you know, as well as I do, you can make data say whatever the heck you right. want it to say, right? So whenever there's somebody going, hey, why did you make that decision that failed? Well, hey man, the data, the data. Right. Right. We surveyed. This is what the people, this is what they said. How do you, what do you want me to do? Right. So I think that comes from a place of I'm gathering and analyzing data from the wrong motivation. I'm just trying to protect myself or to protect my job as opposed to from a perspective of I'm actually trying to find out the truth yeah. and make a decision that will aid the company and the people within the company in a significant way. When I, I think that's true, especially at larger companies. Yeah. So something, you know, we've mentioned Cassandra a number of times. She's our head of people here at Fringe and uh, we interviewed her as part of this process too. Yeah. And she said something I thought that was really- and She co-hosted with you. She did, yeah. yeah. I keep forgetting to mention um, that. And she, she said it's important to understand in many organizations that asking for things is a zero-sum game. Mm. And so for you as Yikes. the individual professional that's saying, hey, maybe I have some data. I think it's compelling. I'm going to go ask for something. Like what is really going on in that scenario is am I willing to put my neck out there, right, right on the chopping block yeah. potentially for something with some potential? Yeah. And a lot of people just aren't because it has that zero sum game yeah. feel to right. it. It's like, if this doesn't pan out, guess what? Like I'm the one that's taking the fall for yeah. that, right? right? Right. I mean, yeah, I think about our our own values at Fringe, like our stated values at Fringe. Like we're trying to cut through some of that by saying, hey, fail boldly, Yeah. be flawed, like make mistakes. You know, and I think I think you need to encourage employees so much. I even had a conversation today with an employee who I think has some really good ideas about some things that we need to do, but he's afraid to say that because he thinks it will be perceived as, "Hey, I'm not doing all that well in my job," and I kind of think. I want to do a different job and like well, it'll be seen as an excuse but what it really is is just an insightful person that sees something that i don't see that sees a way that we need to go as a company and a way that we need to market a way that we need to kind of plan for the this new you know economic environment that we're in yeah and he, he just he just needs to say he just needs to say it yeah you know and stick his neck out there and go you know what we're going this way that was a bad decision we need to go this way. Right. That's a terrifying thing to do. Yeah. Right. And data is helpful to like back that up and like make an argument and so forth. But I think if we can create a culture in which people, no matter what level of the organization that they're in, they feel the freedom to speak out with the knowledge that they have right. about where the company needs to go, that's going to be a healthy company. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know? it's incumbent upon leaders, as you did in yeah. this scenario, it sounds like, to actually listen to people who yeah. have a point of view. Because, I mean, there's a hubris in thinking that we can see all things, that we're un omnipotent. Just total BS. If you're right. not at the top of your organization and you're listening to this 
and your CEO or somebody like your head of this or your head of that is trying to convince you that they see everything. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> they are <absurd>. lying. Yeah. <laughs> they do not see it. Yeah. They're concerned with the exact number of things that you are concerned with because they have about the same yeah. brain capacity that you do. <laughs> I feel like a good analogy for this might be, yeah. which is like, you know, I, I have a little bit different experience because I'm not the CEO at Fringe, but yeah. I mean, like I've been around a lot of things. I'm on the board and yeah. things like that. But I feel like a good example would be um, when you became a parent. Yeah. Especially like as your kids started getting to like toddler and then maybe like five or six years old. Mm -hmm. And like when you're a kid, you just think, oh my gosh, my parents, they know everything. They got this shit figured out. (laughs) And then you get to having your kids and you're like, they didn't know a damn thing. <laughs> they were making all this up as they went. Yeah. And that's probably what a lot of CEOs are doing, yeah. right? I mean, I, I got still can't believe that. Like at 37, <laughs> you're 38. I still can't believe that we're the dads. Oh, you right. know, yeah. I'm like, our kids think we know what we're doing. Yeah, they're going to be really disappointed. Like we're making it all up as we go along. Like every day, my kids present me with a new challenge, some new question yeah. they never asked before, or some new way that they're just, being weird and doing strange things that I'm like, I don't, there's no playbook. I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. They're like, what do we do? And you're like, we'll see. Exactly. I say (laughs) dad stuff. Like we'll see. And let me talk to your mom about it. Do you ever say that to anyone at fringe? Like we'll see. (laughs) I don't think I do. I don't think I really. Props. I I really separate. I'm like, I'm not daddy here. I'm proud of you. That's like pretty solid. But I have the same emotion. I have the same, like, they ask me, like an employee will ask me a question. You're like like, filtering. I don't have a clue what the answer is. Yeah, you know, but you don't want to admit as a leader that you're clueless. Well, come up with something. Yeah, you know? so you're just like, yeah, let me, let me, uh, yeah. let me get back to you. You know, let me, uh, let me right. socialize. I would never say that because that's horrible. I was like, but when have you ever? Let said me socialize. That? that is what people will say. Yeah, or circle the wagons, which is completely the wrong use of that phrase. Right. But hunker down. People say it to mean let me socialize or ask others, but circling the wagons was actually yeah, a like, strategy of protecting the people like in the, the middle hatches. of the wagons. Yes. Yeah, anyway, but yeah. you're going to get me off on... Mixing our metaphors. ...on etymology, and that's, yeah, that's a dangerous thing. We'll talk way too long about that. Uh, yeah, so there were there are a couple of things that I thought were interesting, just even as we tried to articulate our own maybe point of view around data and, like, what's important. Yeah. So, like, one of the key questions, I think, that came up for us, for, for companies in general, is just, do I have access to good people data? Mm. Like, period. Just... Yeah can I get to the data points that are necessary to actually assemble metrics that could tell me something about the business? Um, And and, what's the right data to even capture or pay attention? It's actually far more complicated than you might imagine because you just think like, you just get the data out of the system. Well, the problem is most of the data that companies have on their people lives in multiple systems, even for small companies. So like you look at Fringe, there's probably at least three or four different systems that all contain what I would say would be like vital people data that you need to make, you know, to arrive at the metrics that are important. So, you know, we're a small company, take that out to a couple hundred employees. It's even more so. My brother described some of that. He's like, yeah, I got to pull data from different places and kind of put it together into these spreadsheets and then build pivot tables and so on and so forth. And then talking to the folks at this Fortune 100 company, they literally call it a data lake because they have 
massive Lake. databases, separate databases with all this different information about employees. And then in order to even access it in a way that they can put the data together to get metrics, they've got to dump it all into this data lake, they call it. And then from the data all lake- All I hear when you say data lake is drowning. <laughs> Dr that's all yes, I hear. They're I, drowning in a data lake. I, I mean, I think that's actually an apt image and metaphor. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, because they dump it all in there. And yeah. then from that, they've got extra. So like the predictive model they built was from the data that they got into this data yeah. lake. And then they had it all connected enough that they could actually extrapolate from that, you know, this model that they built and so forth. But I think that leads to the second point, which is, so one is, do I have access to, I'd actually break this into two parts, maybe. Do I have access to data? Do I have access to good data? Yeah. So is it accurate? It, can I work with it? Right. And then the next piece of this is, can I glean the insights, insights. I need from the data? Right. And that's the part that takes a little bit more thinking. Like I have right. to know something about the business. I have to know maybe a little bit of what I'm looking for even, mm. which requires you know putting some thought into strategy around people and what I'm aiming for, right? right. Because without an aim, how do you even know what to look for? So I've got a, I've got a access to data. Mm -hmm. I've got a question whether or not the data is good. Yep. Then I've got to glean the proper insights from the data. Yep. And then I have to go sell executives and assuage all their fears of what if the data is not good? Nice. What if it doesn't work? Yeah, it was smooth. And like all, like what hope yep. does an HR person have, <laughs> Jason, <laughs> Mister Surveyor, Interviewer, like? What do they? Ha what hope do they have of doing all of those steps and then convincing an executive that hey, we need to prioritize our people in this particular way and offer this benefit or offer this software? Yeah. How do you do that? I well, I think it's hard. Yeah. Um, but I do have some hope and I have a vision, even for what we're trying to do here at Fringe. And so I think there there is a challenge with talk about that actually. Yeah. I don't so, mean to interrupt you, but talk about the vision at Fringe yeah. and what we hope to build over the course of years yeah. to do some of this consolidation is part of it and aggregation, but also like helping the HR person know what they're looking at, know what's important, know what decisions to make, where to put data, and then ultimately kind of yeah. delivering that to the powers that be that make decisions. I think the mistake that's often made is the thinking that every company is so different yeah. and so unique right. that you can't possibly have uh, enough sort of, there's no common denominator mm. across any of it that's gonna help you drive action from the insights that you might glean. And so every mm. company is just kind of out there doing it on their own. Independently. Independently, right? like basically taking their data, building these models, trying to gain insights from I it. And the, You're and saying that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Well, yeah. it, it's very difficult, right? Right, Because in order to do that well, you need people that are really great working with the data, yeah. that have enough knowledge about people and the business right. to surface the proper insights. Yeah. And then you have an executive team that believes and, can, and an HR team that can, can communicate to the executive right. team 
what those insights and actions are that they should be taking and then they're going to act upon them, right? And so there's a lot of things that had to go really, really well yeah. in that whole thing that is just, I think, extremely difficult. And so what what I've been kind of putting forth when we were having some of these interviews is like, well, what what is technology best served to do? Mm-hmm. Is best served in the cases where there's enough of a commonality across the board that you can leverage the scalability yes. of a tool of the sameness to drive yeah. action right. across a large number of users, let's yeah. say. And so one of the things that I think actually is true and that we've talked about is, you know, every company is unique. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Every extent. company has unique culture. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But it's I describe the culture more as like flavors of ice cream. Mm. Right. It's all ice cream, right? but it's just different flavors. In other words, it's all people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what have we been talking about? Yeah. Well, people are different, yeah. but we, we believe at Fringe anyways, and I think this is true, that people have fundamental intrinsic needs. Yeah. Right? And right. in the last episode or two episodes ago, that we talked about for the most part, common. Right, and I mean, you could even boil them down to like really simple things, like people want to belong, they want to have purpose, or yeah. people have a need for unmerited, unconditional acceptance, right. and also conditional merited reward, right? right? There's these kind of really yeah. fundamental principles about what it means yeah. to be a human and to live right. a holistic and fulfilling and life. That, and those things are unchanged, regardless right. of what organization you're a part of. Yeah. Or, yeah. And so I believe, and yeah. I have a vision for what we're trying to do here at Fringe that says we can surface those things and yeah. we can provide those insights right. along with actions delivered through technology right. that help optimize the employee experience. Yes. Because human beings are different, but they're similar enough in terms of what they need Yes, that you can create the environment right. in such a way and uh, surface these insights in such a way that you know it's gonna be scalable across a large number yeah. of organizations. I mean, I don't know if you remember, we had a, a, a meeting earlier with our co-founder Isaiah and I just mm-hmm. went off about this very thing that we have all of this insight, we have all of this data from years and years and years of working with fringe users and what their behaviors are and what their sentiment is about using our platform. And yet we have a partner who wants to, you know, get into business with us in a deeper way and they want to roll this thing out to all of their users. And what do they want to do first? They want to test the data. Right. They want to get a small subset of their users, yeah. which are somehow fundamentally different than our users, right. and to see if they feel the same way about our platform yeah. that all of these other people do. And it's maddening. Yeah. Because I'm like, we already have the data. Yeah, you just want to grab people and people be like, hey, aren't that different. Do you <laughs> do you have human beings right. that work at yeah, your I'm company? Sorry. Were, you, were you working with somebody besides humans? You know, yeah. because if it's humans we have that data right. already. We could just surface that and tell you what's gonna happen. Yeah, so I think <laughs> I think then the question in my mind becomes like, hey, I think there's sort of these universal needs yeah. that humans have. Which is so important that HR people understand that. And I think that that's maybe the superpower that's untapped. 
Yeah. It's like, hey, maybe you're not the greatest data analyst that ever lived, right? But if you understand people yeah. and you can communicate how people work, sorry to use the title of our podcast in my argument it's here. It's perfect. But if you can communicate how people that. work to the executives that control the budget, yeah. right? And they can see at least the, at, at, at least the, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like the, the obvious intuitive part, the gut side of it, right. right? Then maybe you don't have to make a perfect data presentation. Right. If you can get across that human side of just like, hey, yeah. people like to be recognized for their achievement, right? Right. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> right. No. No, of course not. Don't be ridiculous. Don't right. Yeah. Next time that raise comes up, just don't worry yeah, about give it. Give it to somebody yeah. else. You know, like, like. I think there's there's common ground even before the data gets presented of just like, hey, and, and I think, again, like usually HR people are people people and they like have a good point of view of how people work right. and like have insights. Yeah. And so I think you can they have compassion, at least have compassion, empathy. empathy. Yeah. They're paying attention, you know, so I think there's there's something there yeah. to sort of set as a foundation to stack the data upon. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's what I hope we're able to do. I, I love it. I love that you have a vision. We are we are well over the, our, our allotted time. We can talk as long as we want, right? We can go Joe Rogan and go three hours. But it's true. we also have uh, families to get home to. So thank you, Jason, for your insights today. Thank you all for listening to how people work. Um, before we go, Jason, tell us uh, if you have one locked and loaded. The next episode's word of the day you could just make one up. It's fine on the fly. Just anything you like. He doesn't have one ready. That's I why I don't he's have one ready. That's what this is right now. Oh man, yeah, you <laughs> got me. Like just totally unprepared. Uh, what are we gonna go with? Pungent. Pungent. Why? Well, that's a nice pull out know. of nowhere. I don't know how that popped in. Yeah, head. that's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and one that I might have to Google again. Well, thank you again for listening to How People Work. Again, this is Jordan Peace with my co-host. I'm also a co-host, Jason Murray, and we will see you next time.